summer book study of Daniel, an Old Testament book, a series we titled The Rise of Empires, and um, I just hope that this week you had a chance to read Daniel 2. That's where we're at. We're going to be hanging out in Daniel 2. A couple plugs before we go there. If you are looking for a shirt to keep you sunburn free, we've got some new vineyard apparel, UPF 50. They will keep you cool during these hot days of summer. We're just asking for a suggested donation. If you're interested, different sizes. There's also some t-shirts, but we'd love for you to stop by the lobby, check those out, and uh, we just want to remind you of the truth of God's heart and kingdom that you are loved. And we want you to actually communicate that as you go anywhere and everywhere. Everywhere we're going, we are living into the redemptive story of God, that God is at work, that God is alive, and God is doing good things. And we see that in the book of Daniel. And so we're going to jump into Daniel 2. I'm going to preach an entire chapter, but I'm not going to read an entire chapter today. So real quick, just to set up the scene, uh, we are going to be talking about what it looks like to proclaim and praise. To proclaim and praise. To make sure you're awake, you got your coffee. Everybody say proclaim. And? Awesome. We're together this morning. This is going to be good. So here's what happens in the first couple verses of uh, Daniel 2. The king, King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian king, is asserting a lot of power and authority and has taken over the people of God. The the Israelites, the people of Judah, they are now part of this uh, secular nation. This is what has happened in history. In history, powers rise and fall, the rise of empires, Roman Empire, all these different empires have come and gone all throughout history. We see this in the Old Testament. This is what's unfolding right now in Daniel 2. And interestingly enough, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar has dreams. And one of the big things in that time, we've learned that Daniel and his friends that got pulled into the king's service were trained in Uh, wizardry, kind of divination, enchanting, reading the stars, all these wonderful things that they had this culture of their day of they were trying to garner power through human means and come up with it. And so the king goes to all these wise men, these enchanters, and says, here's the deal, I've had some dreams. You must tell me what my dream is and you must tell me what it means or you all die. Tell me what my dream is, and then interpret and tell me what it means, or you all die. And in verse 11, the enchanters and the magicians and the best of the best in the entire Babylonian kingdom say this. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. They get clear real quick impossible. This is not humanly possible. So here's the big idea for our time today. We need to be ready to meet people right where they are and join God in his pursuit of people because God is at work. God is at work and we are invited to participate with him. This is what we're going to see unfold in Daniel 2. God is at work, and we are invited to participate with him. Daniel will understand this participation. 
and we're going to read through some of the verses, but what we see is this first movement of participating is that we proclaim God's work. See, the magicians understood it. We can't do this. Only the gods can do it. The king was really clear, you're going to die. How many of you all would like that today? If you, I had a dream last night, tell me my dream and interpret it for me, or you're dead. It's weird times back then. It's weird times right now. The, re, the reason I say that is I think we need to understand that the scripture is alive and active and ready for us today. The scriptures are ready for us today, even the Old Testament ones. So here we go. I'm going to start in about uh, verse 14 and then jump to 16. So here's what happens. Daniel speaks up. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Daniel says, I'm going to participate. And he does it with wisdom and with tact. That should be the number one protocol for all social media posts at all times. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. Oh, it's a powerful text, guys. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon and said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. As he gets before the king, the king says, oh, so you got it. And Daniel says to the king, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner, diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. There is so much for us to unpack here and to see, but I just want you to sit with us. I'm reading this text. I'm getting like goosebumps. I am getting chills. I am getting an experience of God just going, what a powerful God we can know. What a personal God who's willing to show up in the night. What a present God who is at work. And please do not read this story as some old story of like the way things used to be or some like, oh, well, isn't that nice? There is truth for us today for the kind of people we can be to walk with God and participate with God. Remember, Daniel's like maybe at oldest a teenager. Maybe at oldest. So God is at work among our teens, 
among our kids, and he will be at work among us. And one of the things that I think we need to know is that when we're participating with God in his work, we don't have to fabricate something. We speak to and proclaim God's work, not ours. God's presence, not ours. God's kingdom, not ours. Verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So how does this apply to us today? Anybody afraid you're going to get killed for not knowing how to interpret a dream? Not me. So how do you apply the text? What do you need to see in Daniel 2 for your life so that when you leave here, you're participating with God in his work here and now? Here's the first thing that I think is key to see. Daniel turns to God in his time of need. Really simple. God, you must deliver what I need. I have no other options. I have no other resources. I have no other outlets. I must turn to the living God and say, come go to work in my circumstance in this moment. Daniel, as a teenager, knew in his soul what he needed, and he turns to God. May that be said of all of us. And the second is like it. Daniel turns to his friends and asks them to turn to God too. If you are going through something in your life that is big and you're going through it alone and you go, I'm going to turn to God, make sure you also turn to some friends and invite your friends to plead for mercy on your behalf. To get in there with you and begin to say, God, would you speak? God, would you reveal? Because you are a God who reveals mysteries. Come on! This is like great news! This is a game changer for everybody right here, right now. The God who created the heavens loves to reveal mysteries to you. He'll do it in the night. He'll do it in the day, but you don't have to do it alone because he'll bring community around you and your community can plead for mercy on your behalf and with you and for the sake of wise men of secular nations who are also going to be executed. See, when we turn to God, we are poised at that moment to proclaim his work. If you're not turning to God, it's really hard to proclaim the work of God because your attention is to other things. You'll proclaim whatever attention, whatever's getting your attention. And Daniel and his friends were turning to God and in that moment, they're poised to proclaim the work of God. You might think it's hard to tell people about Jesus. You might think it's hard to be like on the front lines sharing your faith. It is very easy to share your life story. And when your life story is turning to God, that's the story you have to tell. That is how we proclaim God in this day and time. And I just think that we need to understand prayer is a primary way we turn to God. Earlier this year, we did a series during the month of February on uh, prayer ministry training and that we could be our, our city's prayer ministry team. That what we just practiced at the end of worship and what we'll do again at the end of our service is that we want to pray for one another and that when we leave here, we would be ready to say, hey, can I pray for you? Can I be the kind of friend that will plead for mercy on your behalf? Can I be the kind of friend that will say, God, speak to me in the night that I might reveal mysteries to my friends that would call them to your love and to your kingdom? Prayer is a primary way we turn to God. It's what Daniel did. It's what his friends did. So I just have a question for you. How is your prayer life? How's your prayer life? 
What I mean by that is how is your conversation with God? Prayer is taking the things inside your, your heart and your mind and the, the circumstances of your life and then putting them in God's presence, saying, God, here's what's going on. And I don't know about you, but a lot of my prayer is, God, here's what's going on. God, here's what's going on. God, here's what's going on. I would encourage you to practice another good step of prayer, which is listening, which is, God, do you want to say anything? <laughs> I'm not always as good at that one. That's what Daniel and his friends were doing. God, have mercy, would you speak? That is our prayer life. God, would you speak? I want to listen. Let my prayer life be a posture of listening and hearing from you and listening and hearing from you and listening and hearing from you. What are the themes and priorities of your prayer life? What do you notice regularly comes up? I want to remind us of what our friend Ted Kim, who pastors the Vineyard Church in Evanston, said to us at the end of January. He said, if you want to learn to hear God's voice, then you need to pray for someone else. I was reminded by uh, just a friend at church this week about that, and I was like, oh, thank you for saying that. That's getting inserted into my message because what he said is better than what I had. <laughs> See, Daniel and his friends are seeking God for the sake of a nation. For the sake of all these people that are about to get executed, if you want to learn to hear God's voice, don't just let your prayer life be selfish. Don't just let your prayer life be about you and your circumstances. Let them begin to open up to say, God, would you have mercy and would you speak to me on behalf of my friend who's hurting? This circumstance that's broken, this thing that I look at and say, that is not the way it's supposed to be. Lord, would you speak? I think we will grow as a community, we will grow as a faith community when we begin to risk our prayers on behalf of one another and not just keep them to ourselves. And that's going to require of us to invite other people on the spiritual journey. I love what's happening in Daniel. Daniel, Mishael, Ezariah, and Hananiah, these young people had understood the gift of spiritual friendship and that they were walking together and they were willing to be faithful to God and stand in the midst of the most unique circumstances and say, God will deliver, and if not, we will still worship God. God will show up, but if not, it's okay because we know he's got us anyway. We need to do this work together. We need to walk together. We need friends who will pray for us. We need friends who will invite us to small group. We need friends who will invite us to worship gatherings. We need friends who will say, hey, let's go serve our neighbor together. We heard that they're having a hard time. Let's make some meals. Invite people to walk with you. Because when we invite friends into the spiritual journey, it cultivates a community of faith ready to proclaim God's goodness. A community proclaiming God's goodness. And just wait, this moment is going to build faith and it's going to add to their story because there's more still coming. There's more still coming as we read through Daniel, so just hang in there. There are some wild stories. You think it's hot right now? Just wait till next Sunday. Just wait till next Sunday. That's a, it's a church joke about a story where there are going to be people thrown into a fire. Just letting you know, if that's, it's come, it's going to be great. So here's what I want us to do. I want to talk about our faith in action. Because what I love in Daniel is Daniel is living his faith out in an active posture. He's participating. He's stepping in front of the king who's ready to execute him and going, excuse me, sir, I got it. <laughs> I'm ready. 
So here's what we need to understand. This is how we live out the life and the faith that we see in Daniel today. Humility. God, I need you. They knew it. In the watches of the night, they go, hey, we need to start praying, and we're praying for the mercy of God. It's the only option. Humility. God, I need you. Community. God, we need you. We need you. Expectancy. God, you are able. God, you can move. You can work. You are able. And we humbly ask for you to be you. How are you going to show up? We start looking for it. And then what I see in Daniel that I, I would love to be said about me at some point in my life is that there's courageous trust. God, you're good. God, you are a merciful God and you reveal mysteries. As a teenager, church, listen to this, as a teenager, Daniel knew the depths of God for the depths of his soul. This is why we all need to be pressing into vineyard students and vineyard kids. This is why we need to walk together that our own souls at any point in our life would have that kind of trust. And then as Alan and I were talking, Alan's one of our other pastors, and we were processing this, and he's helped craft this entire series for us. And we have to be a community and a people of courageous action for the good of others. See, Daniel was willing to take a posture of kingdom action in this text, and I want to make sure you don't miss it. Verse 24, then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon. They were all getting executed. And said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. See, he didn't just go, hey, don't execute me and my, my buddies. He didn't just care for the four people of God who were in the court of the king. He was willing to show the way of God's kingdom, which is mercy. An action that said, let them live. We need to be kind, that kind of community in our day and time, that when we leave this place, we're looking out for the good of humanity. We're looking out for the good of our neighbor, not because they're already in our tribe, but because God loves them and the work of God is every tribe, tongue, and nation, every people being called home to God. Every people. And what I know is that if we will lean into prayer, like Daniel and his friends did, prayer will give us clarity on what we proclaim. Remember, he had wisdom and tact and discernment, there was revelation. It will give us clarity on what we proclaim and who we must praise. See, our proclamation in Jesus and the life of God and the work of God will lead people to praise God. As we proclaim the work of God, it's an invitation to praise God for who he is to praise God. We participate by proclaiming God's work and we participate, participate by praising God for his work. 
We don't just praise the work. Oh, look what I got. I got my job back. Oh, look, I'm not getting executed today. Woo! Yes! I live! No, the, the praise is God, you live. God, you reveal mysteries. God, you step in and you spared us. That's the story we have to tell the world. That's the story that we proclaim, and it leads to praise, like what we did this morning with one another. I'm going to hurt tomorrow. There are, there are two very distinct places. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump because he just goes before the king, and, and here's what happens. You can go read it. He tells him all the dreams, and he interprets the dreams. He interprets the dreams. Jumping down to verse 44, in the time of those kings, he's just walking through. There's this kingdom, and then there's this one, and there's this one, and this king, and this. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true. Its interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. See, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't get it. He's worshiping Daniel at first. This is what we do. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. See, praise is our response to God's good work. Even Nebuchadnezzar, who had this whole system built up about worshiping idols and actually him being the God of all gods, begins to realize in this moment that the God of heaven was revealed to him. After Daniel gets the interpretation of the vision and the dream, his response is praise God. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He was humbled. He was humbled into a posture of worship. And as he delivers this to King Nebuchadnezzar, surely, this is the, even, even King Nebuchadnezzar can't help himself but proclaim and praise God. Surely your God is the God of God. Surely your God is the God of gods. I will tell you, if you're having conversations with friends and you're listening and you're allowing God to speak to you and you deliver a moment of truth that's trustworthy and loving and kind, our friends will come to Jesus because they will go, surely your God hears. Surely your God sees. Surely your God loves me. This is how the kingdom of God continues to break in today. Praise is our response to God's work. And I just want to remind us, the themes that we've been walking through this whole book and we'll keep walking through are still at play in Daniel 2. In spite of the difficulties, you're going to be executed. God is in control. And he will have the final victory. His kingdom is a kingdom that will never end. 
His rule and reign is good and benevolent and trustworthy and true. And God is at work on a redemptive trajectory, making all things new. The revelation in Daniel 2 is that his kingdom will never end. And the other theme is this. God's people can survive and even thrive in the midst of a toxic culture. You're going to be executed. If we lived in a culture today that said anyone who attends the Vineyard Church Pearland will be executed. I would not like to live in that culture. But that culture does not speak to my soul. And that culture is not the maker of heaven and earth. In spite of what humans manage to do in creating toxic cultures, God's people can survive and even thrive in the midst of persecution, in the midst of execution. Because we can proclaim and praise a God who is at work and is able. Here's the last thought about how we put this into action this week. I just want you to know that we can see God's work. We can see God's work. We can see it in Scripture. We can see it in a friend who cares. We can see it in creation. We can see God's work. That's what I love about Daniel and his friends is they were willing to see God's work in the midst of incredible circumstances and trying times. They could see that God was at work. We can be a people of expectancy. Are you looking for God Monday through Saturday? I, I love that God is present here when we gather for worship, and I would love for more people to experience God's work here when we're together. I believe there is way more work God is doing outside this place. Will we look for it? Just, I'm going to go on record. More people live outside of this place than call the vineyard their worshiping home, their church family. <laughs> which means God's doing way more. And we need to go look for it. We need to live with expectancy for God to show up and bring revelation at the workplace and with your kids and among neighbors and when you're having a drink with friends at the game. Like, do not leave God at the door when you're in those parties and at those places. God is at work when you're the only one not drinking. God is at work, and you can walk into those places by the power of the Spirit and be light and expect God to love the people there because he's pursuing people. His kingdom is come and coming. Live with expectancy for God's work. Receive God's work with humility. God, you are the one who reveals it. This has nothing to do with me. Anything that God does today for you that is good is not because of me or because of the people on the stage or the people making it possible for you to hear me in the sound booth. It is because the living God is showing up in your life. And that should humble all of us. And here's the one that we don't like. We've got to surrender to God's work. We've got to be obedient. We have to model and be a people who will show surrender. Not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. And then let's glorify God above all. Nothing should be given more glory than God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's worship. We should worship every day.
And please walk together. Please walk as a community. Please let the life of Daniel, like, see. He's like, man, Daniel, what an amazing character in Scripture. From a rich spiritual family. Understanding the God of his ancestors. With spiritual friendships surrounding him. We need each other, and we need community. And this is how we will walk it out. You need community outside of Sunday. You need community outside of worship gatherings. You need to walk with one another. Because you are all navigating circumstances that are challenging. And so am I. So am I. I was sitting up late last night talking to my wife, Lauren, thinking about what it means to pastor a community in this moment. What does it look like to proclaim the kingdom of God in this moment? What does it look like to praise God in this moment? What does it look like to discern and make sense of social media in this moment? Anybody feeling that? Maybe just for yourself? Maybe for some people close to you? Anybody feeling that for an entire community, city, nation, globe? We have to have humility. And I think the greatest way we can cultivate faith is by spending time seeking God in prayer. And so I'm going to share something with you that I wrote last night. And it's not done. The work of the kingdom is not done. But what I know is we are a diverse spiritual family in a diverse community of cities, one of the most diverse places in the United States. And there are things unfolding that impact you at any moment. Any, any news media feed cycle, something is being dropped that potentially impacts you. And so here's what I want you to know. As I think about leading this church, I think about leading us towards Jesus. And if Jesus were running for political office, I would, I would back a candidate. He's not. So you're not going to hear me back a candidate. You're not going to hear me back a party. Because they do not contain the fullness of the kingdom of God. They are humans. And some of you are going... I can't believe he just said that. Just let the Holy Spirit be gracious to us. Please, for just a minute. But I think it's important that you know the magnitude of carrying something like this. And that it has been slow. Like, have, you've not seen me post on social media.
this week was another week. How do we walk toward Jesus and walk with one another to show the world the love of God? If the law is written in a way that causes you to rejoice, how do you walk toward Jesus and love those around you? If the law is written in a way that causes you to mourn, how do you walk toward Jesus and love those around you? Today, as a spiritual family, we are worshiping with people who are different from us, and our ability to humble ourselves before God and love one another is the way of Jesus. This is the beauty of the church. All of the community finds its identity and life in Jesus, and we welcome people with the love and forgiveness of Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I have come that you might have abundant life. I am the bread of life. Come and receive your fill in me. Today, my heart is heavy because I see another decision causing more division. I see people rejoicing. I see people angry. I see people hopeful and hopeless. Laws have come and gone. Administrations have come and gone. King Nebuchadnezzar is not our king. And much like we're exploring the book of Daniel, how do we walk faithfully before the Lord our God, proclaiming his goodness and praising his faithfulness? How do we walk toward Jesus? We need Jesus. And the world needs a community that understands Jesus' prayer was exactly what we needed, which is unity. And unity is expressed most strongly when you will walk with someone who maybe doesn't see it the exact same way that you see it, but you see Jesus and you walk towards Jesus and you let Jesus do work. This, it's complicated. How do we walk towards Jesus? How do we do it? In humility, in community, in obedience, and in faithfulness to love the way Jesus would love. Let's stand together. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to be willing to have a conversation. It's the only way forward. Relationship. That's how we do trust. Trust is expressed when you talk to somebody, when you walk with one another, when you ask questions and you stay humble and curious. And so, if you haven't heard me say anything else, I'm asking all of us, no matter how you feel about what's transpired this last week, and before that, just to remind us, it was masks. Just to, just to be real clear, that brought the same heat as what I'm seeing now. What will the Lord do in our hearts and souls that we might walk like Jesus walked and live by the power of the Spirit, faithful to God the Father? So I'm going to pray a prayer of humility. And if you're willing to receive that prayer, I invite you to receive that prayer. 
there's so much in Daniel that should inspire us to this life and this moment to live faithful to God because God is at work. And so, God, we come together and we say, have mercy. Have mercy, O oh God. Have mercy, O oh God, and bring revelation that we might walk in humility before you. That we might walk with courageous trust and courageous action to proclaim your goodness here and now on the earth, that your kingdom would come. And so we say, Lord, have mercy. We need you, God. We need your spirit filling this place and filling the church. And so we humbly say, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let us proclaim you and you alone. And let us praise you and you alone, that you would give us wisdom and grace to walk together and to be gracious with one another and to hear one another and say, how do we walk to you, King Jesus? Fill your church, God. This is your community, and we understand that we don't have it all figured out, and we don't know it all, but we know that you are the giver of life, and so we say yes to you, and we say yes to life. We say yes to your kingdom come and coming. Fill us today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.